Hey folks, it's Doug Thornell and we're back at the YEO conference in Miami, Florida. And we've got a fantastic uh, panel of young elected officials from the battleground state of Wisconsin. And we all know how important Wisconsin is to um, Democrats' efforts to winning back that White House uh, in 2020. Um, And also the convention is going to be in Wisconsin as well. And so my uh, partner... Down here is back, Lexi. How you doing? Is that you still eating? Uh, yeah, I'm eating, but unfortunately not cheese curds. Oh, I wish y'all had brought some cheese curds to share. Who is in charge of uh, stocking this place with food? <laughs> not me, and certainly cheese not curds. the folks from Wisconsin, because we would have cheese curds right now. <laughs> so I'm going to introduce uh, our uh, our group of elected officials here. Uh, David Crowley is a state rep from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. David, welcome to the Electables. Thank you for having me. Great to have you here. We've got David Bowen. He's also a state rep from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Welcome, sir. Absolutely. Two days back to back. Try not to get confused. (laughs) Um, Another David. We've got, uh, no, I'm sorry. We've got Clinton uh, Anderson, who is a city council vice president from Beloit, Wisconsin. Appreciate you having me out. How you doing, buddy? Good. Welcome aboard. And then last but not least is Kara Hawes, who is the county supervisor from Janesville, Wisconsin. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Janesville is the home of a former Speaker of the House who is now retired. <laughs> so uh, as we mentioned before in our last, uh, our last panel, we um, were here for this uh, conference, the Young Elected, uh, Young Elected Officials uh, Conference in Miami. And uh, I just want to start with all of you. Um, how'd you get started in politics? I'll start with you, David. David Crowley. Yeah. Um, well, not the conventional way. Like, I just, it wasn't like an issue that really just said, you know what, you got to run. Um, I actually had a, an organization when I was a young person, or at the age of 17, actually saved my life called Urban, Urban Underground. And it introduced me to a lot of different types of organizing, organizing around police accountability, education, uh, wages. And when you continue to organize and galvanize the people, you start to realize what well, one of the biggest barriers is the policies uh, and could be politicians. And so um, I decided to uh, throw my hat in the ring after working for a politician for a while uh, because it was my way of giving back to this community that I serve um, because I wouldn't be here without my community. And so because my community saved my life, I'm looking to save my community through politics. That's great. State Representative Bowen. How about you? Uh, I, I think what's really even funny is that both me and David Crawley have backgrounds. Not only do we share the first name, right? <laughs> uh, but we also share this history where in high school, we both were a part of Urban Underground. So uh, we were entrenched in youth leadership at an early age. Um, I literally had a chance to work for Urban Underground um, focusing on supporting young people to lead their own campaigns um, to improve their communities, their schools, their neighborhoods, and uh, supporting those young people transformed into building a reputation that I did not know I had in the community and uh, showing up on issues that really mattered. And uh, people believed that I could do something bigger. I thought I would really work in youth development for the rest of my life. And 
uh, there were some folks that had a vision that I couldn't see and uh, encouraged me to take a shot at local office. So I ran for county board in 2012 and uh, had a chance to then run just three years later uh, for the state. And uh, it has been an honor to be able to serve in public office. Mr. Vice President. That sounds nice. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, a little bit about uh, when I got elected, I took a little bit of an unconventional route to be a local elected official. I decided as a 22-year-old college student to run for the Wisconsin State Assembly. Uh, That unfortunately did not pan out, but I decided that I still wanted to help out. I still really cared about public service, so I decided to run for an open city council seat, and uh, here I am today on the city council and just got put on as vice president not too long ago, so it's been a a fun journey so far. Congratulations. Uh, Kara, how about you? Um, so I started actually working, helping with a friend, um, friend's campaign. Um, and, uh, after working on that campaign for a while, it became apparent that there were some people that were, um, representing me at the county board level who, um, weren't really aligned with kind of my things that I'm passionate about, weren't really aligned with my issues. And so I was kind of recruited, I guess, um, for lack of a better word, to run and um, had to be asked several times, which since then I've learned for um, women and even people of color that that's kind of the tendency is, you know, we don't always step up at first because we don't necessarily feel like that's our place. And um Thankfully, I had some people kind of pushing me that I, when I didn't see the vision for myself, that thankfully they were there and um, kind of pushed me in the dir- direction of an organization called Emerge. And so I went through Emerge training, and that really gave me the confidence um, and the training that I needed to, to run for office and to help me see that vision through. I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking about that when you mentioned, David, that you didn't necessarily see that vision for yourself before you jumped in. But obviously you all jumped in for different reasons and have taken different paths. The one thing I think that binds you obviously is being from Wisconsin, which is a state that we talk a lot about nationally, certainly with the presidential election. But I'm curious to get your thoughts about why Wisconsin matters politically in 2019. Like, Why should people outside of Wisconsin care about how Wisconsin voters feel or are viewing politics in 2019. Uh, That's kind of interesting because I feel like, you know, we have been dealing with Trump style politics um, much earlier than the rest of the country has. So I think it's important to recognize. In what way? You know, dealing with the most extreme uh, right wing forces, you know, that have been Mm -hmm. supported by, you know, really um, wealthy right wing interests. Um, they experimented in Wisconsin first, right? Mm-hmm. And um, when you had the rise of uh, Barack Obama and his tenure uh, at the presidency, the first backlash really I felt like happened in 2010 in Wisconsin where you had a full flip of uh, all of government, the governor's house, the Senate, and the assembly. And, um, you know, we have gone through that storm. Uh, luckily, uh, we have been able to stem that storm eight years. So in, in 2018, we were able to take back the governor's mansion. Um, but if you have, uh, you know, noticed, you know, the uh, the agenda that Scott Walker rolled out as soon as he got elected was to decimate um, some of those Wisconsin values that have been on the books for uh, generations. Yeah, thank God he's gone. 
Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. He, he and he just kept coming back and back. You know, how many times he had that stretch where he had like three elections in mm-hmm. a couple of years or something like that. But um, uh, so I wanted to, add, and this is for uh, for all of you, and then we're going to get into a little bit of uh, 2020 stuff. But what's the hardest thing about being a candidate for elected office? And um, uh, Carol, I'll start that. I'll I'll, I'll let you take that. Um, I think one of the the main issues that I've had being a candidate is just the time, Um, finding the time to work a full time job. I mean, my my job as supervisor um, isn't um, such that I can do that full time. So um, a lot of it comes with balancing things and needing to balance my personal life, needing to balance my work life, and then also, you know, being out there and campaigning and learning what um, issues are important to people. So I think as a candidate, the most important, the, the most difficult um, thing that I see is really finding time to do all of it. Clinton? Yeah, so uh, one of it is also that it can be very lonely campaigning. Uh, sometimes you feel by yourself. You feel like you got to do this by yourself. There's, uh, if you don't get the right amount of volunteers, it feels like maybe is the campaign dying? Can I can I win? Is it possible? So uh, it, it takes a lot of resiliency, and it's really tough, especially as young people, to do something that big. Uh, and also that your private life is gone. Yeah. The second you announce for mm-hmm. it, suddenly everything's under that microscope. So especially, once again, as young people, we, we like to go out. We like to go have fun. It's it's one of those things like how much fun can you have in your own city, in your mm-hmm. own district, because mm-hmm. you don't want somebody to misrepresent what you're doing. Do you ever go out in a disguise? Uh, no, no, I haven't. Yeah, I, that, that might be a new one. I might try that now. <laughs> Thanks for the idea. <laughs> um, That's a great idea. Mr. Bowen, what's the hardest thing about being a, a candidate for office? Um, well, you definitely have no life. Uh, so not just private, privately, but, you know, your whole life is consumed into uh, this race that is, uh, you know, focused on you getting over that 50 plus one. And, uh, you know, when you're in campaign mode, when we're in campaign mode, really nothing really else matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know that we can't implement agendas. We can't uh, change uh, the things that we want to change unless we win. So uh, when it comes to uh, your schedule and all the people you, you used to have time for and things that you were able to do, you just, you just can't do those things anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of people, uh, I would say, sometimes can't take that that well. And, uh, you know, you've changed, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> hold on, man. I'm still the same. I'm still the same. Uh-huh. But I got something really important to do. Yeah. yeah. I mean... I would have to echo everybody's comments, really. But the the one thing that I'm going to say is, I mean, fundraising is, yeah. is always difficult, especially um, as a partisan candidate, right? Because, yeah, when I when I ran my first race, I had to fundraise myself, you know, whether you were twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000. But now that I'm here, I'm also chair of the Wisconsin Legislative Black Caucus. It's not just about fundraising for me it's not a fundraise for your colleagues i gotta i gotta fundraise for my colleagues because living in wisconsin and being a representative in wisconsin one of the most gerrymandered states here it's extremely important that we are spreading our resources and winning seats in other places across the state and so as 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 the you know leading city in in wisconsin it's important that we find ways to partner up with other municipalities other communities because we need their help 
for the things that we need and the resources that we're asking for. And so, you know, it's, it's really about fundraising because we are in a super minority right now. They're about two seats away of having a, a, a veto proof majority. So it's, you know, the hardest part is, is fundraising. How is that possible? <laughs> I, you you gotta, I mean, could you t- go back? I mean, th- because this is something that I think a lot of people don't fully really yeah. understand yeah. the how important uh, both 2018 was uh, and the and the fact that we were able to win the mansion in Wisconsin and mm-hmm. a number of other states. Um, and then what happens with um, when we have to reapportion and uh, and redistricting that whole process? How I. I because you know we barely lost Wisconsin in the presidential, and um, we obviously won it statewide in Wisconsin. I still think it's a while. I still think it's a slightly pur- um, purple. I, you know, it's a purple state. I think I still think it leans blue, but I can't believe the breakdown there. You would think it at least would be even, but it tells Absolutely. you the power of that. I mean, of, we can uh, we can win a statewide race and only pick up thirty six assembly seats, right? Like we have we have thirty six assembly seats out of ninety nine. That's and crazy. It's, 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 all, it's crazy, but it's also scary because, you know, you have people picking their voters who are literally disenfranchising other folks. I mean, prison gerrymandering is a huge thing also in Wisconsin. Majority of the people who are in prison comes from the, uh, the city I represent, the city of Milwaukee. And so when you have some areas who are utilizing the population of a prison to increase their their voters, uh, make it seem like they have a lot of voters, it, it kind of dilutes certain areas votes. And so when we look at, you know, that's going to be one of the biggest things that we're going to be focusing on is gerrymandering throughout the next throughout this election cycle, because if we can't get people on board in believing that they have the right to choose their legislators, then we're going to we're going to have a bigger problem later on. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like the National Democratic Party cares enough about gerrymandering? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I think that's one of the reasons why they're coming to Wisconsin. Uh, I think they look at Wisconsin as, you know, one, making sure that we can get back into the Midwest and doing what we need to do there. Um, and that's why we're in a place like Milwaukee. You know, uh, Milwaukee's n- not that much different than Baltimore. so a minority majority city. Um, and so they know that gerrymandering is a problem. And I'm glad that they're coming to Wisconsin because we'll be able to highlight that uh, throughout, the, throughout the election cycle. I don't know if anybody want to add. I think you covered it. (laughs) (laughs) So we just had two big debates. Um, Actually, four. Did everybody watch? Who didn't watch? I didn't watch the last two debates. In Detroit? Yeah, I didn't watch the last two. Okay. Well, we're not going to ask Crowley questions about this week then. (laughs) Uh, um, So we had two big debates this week. Um, I'd love to get your reaction. Who do you think, who who surprised you and who, who did the best? And then who sort of didn't hit your expectations um clinton start with you well i'm gonna have to join the crowley club on this one uh (laughs) i just got into miami that day with kara so uh both of us did not watch it we just watched a couple highlights so uh, i think david bowen's ready to give us the hot takes on that debate all right david bowen speak for everyone at the table (laughs) (laughs) kara might know something too um i thought kara said she wasn't am i the only one that really watched it i mean i watched highlights Okay. Yeah. Damn, I hope so you guys I, aren't I'll tell you families. why I watched it. I flew <laughs> yeah. into Florida two days early before the conference because I have family in Florida. So uh, I never usually get to do that. Usually I'm so tied up. My schedule is like, I got to get in Florida and get right back out and go back to the district. But I was like, okay, I'm going to visit some family this time. So I watched debate one with uh, my family in Spring Hill and mm-hmm. outside Tampa. And then I'd watch debate two uh, with my family in uh, Fort Lauderdale. 
Okay. Right? So uh, I, I'll tell you, you, you said first who surprised me. Yeah, who, who, who did better you, you than expected? You could also give us your family's opinions too to make yeah, it for the rest true. of the day. Well, first <laughs> off, yeah. first off. Yeah, what's your family? Uh, yeah, what's your family? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was entertaining to watch Delaney get dunked on all night, on night like one, number one. Mm-hmm. Let's first like recognize that. Um and that that's what did not allow night two to be as like that much like attention grabbing. Mm. Um, but I guess it was it was really good on issues, right? Um, so Bowen's anti Delaney. We got that. There you go. Um, <laughs> but not to the fact that he's anti, but like he he kept trying to bring these angles that like just got destroyed by yeah. the likes of Elizabeth Warren yeah. and uh, Bernie Sanders on night one. And, you know, there were just like so many uh, highlight reel moments that was like, okay, guy, you might want to take a break from this one. Um, <laughs> so he surprised you in a bad way. In a bad way. Yeah. I thought he would okay. at least do a little bit better. Um, and that's what's interesting. The moderates are folks that much more were center. They, I think they did better on night two than yeah. what was shown on night one. Um, what else surprised me? Uh, there were some folks that had boxing gloves on. Mm-hmm. So like Castro and uh, uh, Gabbard mm-hmm. and um, Booker. Booker, for sure. Like yeah. had, they were ready to like, you know, they came to, yeah. to spar. Um, well, and other folks might not, were, were, weren't as ready as yeah. they were. The thing about Booker that I think that he did exceptionally well and is a lesson for any candidate is that he was a happy warrior. You know, that's what I work with a lot mm-hmm. of candidates. And one thing when I'm prepping them and getting them ready for debates is that, you know, look, because you got to make contrast with your opponents at some point. But you got you to you gotta do it with like a smile. You know, you yeah. got to be able to sort of yeah. cut them up mm-hmm. and smile. Yeah. And he does that extremely well. He did that extremely yeah. well um, the night of the debate. You know, it, he was, you know, it was the sort of back and forth he was having, particularly with Biden, which was, you know, kind of the back and forth that you have with your friends. Like he wasn't angry, he wasn't super serious. He was, yeah. But he made his points. He did That's very. Right. T- it was very good. That's right. I was very. I was very surprised. I mean, not surprised, but because he's running this like very joy, joyful mm-hmm. love campaign. And there's been a lot of questions as to whether or not Cory Booker could translate that into being a, you know, until getting aggressive and going sure. after folks. Yeah. And sure. they've showed how you do that. Sure. So you watched with family in two different parts of Florida. I did. Did they have differing opinions about who they really liked after the debates? What yeah, did they focus think? groups. Okay. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> night, night one um, definitely went towards Warren. Mm-hmm. And, how, and so break down the scene for us. This is how many people are in this room. Oh, only a few of us. Okay, uh, and it was late too. So, and, it, like, and this men and women. Uh, one man, one woman. Okay, yeah, okay. both older. Okay, all right, um, good. We just want to know. Yeah. 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 So, uh, I, I would say they uh, they definitely favored uh, uh, Warren. Okay. On night one, and this is what's odd. And I think if you look at what actually happened on night two, Andrew Yang had hmm. one of the best performances of the night. Even though he just kept hammering on the same thing, um, he built uh, just the sharpness that I think people caught and the people I was watching it with, they, that they noticed um, uh, that, you know, that was just interesting. 
See, I'm not the only one pointing out the wild cards. Earlier, I talked about Marianne Williamson. Mm. <laughs> you know, there you go. There I thought you go. she was much better than expected. That was the loudest applause um, yes. in the in the in the whole debate was yeah. uh, her that, to her statement on mm-hmm. um, on reparations, on reparations and race. And, yeah. and yeah. it yeah. was it was pretty profound. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm curious, what are the issues that are driving folks in the communities where you live? And uh, Kara, I'll start with you. Um, I would say. You know, coming from a coming from Janesville, where um, which is describe Janesville to um, folks who aren't. We're from pretty Wisconsin. we're pretty blue collar. Um, we had a GM plant up until um, a few years ago, and so I think I think we're still hurting from GM pulling out. I think a lot of people are still concerned with jobs and the economy, um, and you know I think we're we're we've been fortunate to have some new um you know businesses and so forth come into the community but i think we're still hurting from th- that huge loss and so i think for at least for my community i think a lot of it's focused still on the economy jobs in the economy yeah yeah clinton what about you uh, well in my community i, I would say that the big issues that we really care about is uh, wages. Uh, we want not just to have jobs, we want to make sure that we can live on those wages that the jobs provide and uh, also healthcare access too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not just in my city, but in the whole county, we have a lot of issues with nitrates and water quality. So uh, they really care about that. They want a quality of life candidate. So uh, when they're looking at those people running for president, they pretty much are writing off anyone who's not supportive of $15 minimum wage, supportive of universal health care, those candidates are not on the table in our community. And what kind of, um, and, and Beloit, describe Beloit to our listeners. Uh, the best way is a microcosm of the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a little bit of everything in our community. We're very diverse. Uh, we have a very robust Latino population in our community. Uh, and also in our elementary schools, you see a trend now that we have a very even divide between uh, white, black, and Latino now. So mm-hmm. it's it's becoming a very diverse community, and uh, I would say quite welcoming too. We've we've been very lucky to have that in Beloit. Great, David. <laughs> since you're both from Milwaukee, maybe right. you guys can tackle this together. Um. So yeah. So I mean, it's a it's a host of issues yeah. when you think about the city of Milwaukee. Um, healthcare is definitely going to be one of them, making sure that we can cover folks, but also with the fact that. You know, we have probably the the highest infant mortality rate in the country right now. So when we talk about health care, making sure that we give that maternal care uh, as well. Uh, criminal justice reform is, is, is huge for us. Um, for the 53206 zip code in the city of Milwaukee is the highest incarcerated zip code in the country and wow. possibly the world because I don't think they have zip codes anywhere else outside <laughs> the United States. Um, and so when we think about criminal justice reform, um, it's it's not just making sure that we can, you know, make some reforms on the front end, but also on the back end when we talk about employment opportunities, banning the box so people with felonies can, can actually have a fair chance. Uh, but the, and, and that goes right into jobs um, in the economy because um, I think the average median income in, in my particular district is about $30,000, $34,000 and so a year. And so looking at that, how do we make sure that people can have access to good paying jobs? And many of those jobs may not be in the city. And so you know, how do we focus on transportation infrastructure um, in our crumbling roads? Um, I can make a, literally a host of uh, a list of all the issues that we're facing, but the, the top three will be health care, um, education, and, and criminal justice reform. Okay. 
Bowen? Mr. Bowen, anything to add to that? Um, that's a really good list. Um, first off, where's the Wisconsin beer? I see <laughs> non-Wisconsin beer on the table right yes, now. Yes, it's happy hour record. time. Yes. Uh, so, you know, next time we'll make up for it. Um, as, as far as issues, I would say, um, you know, first with, with lead in our drinking water and uh, affecting, you know, some uh, young people that have, had, have been tested higher levels than Flint. Um, it, it's really important for us to really focus on uh, water infrastructure. We had a chance to do that in the last state budget. We literally had a debate about too much money going to uh, the city of Milwaukee and uh, helping uh, uh, residents, kids in Milwaukee rather than the rest of the state. Um, so uh, literally there is a, a racial divide that has to be addressed. Um, that continues to perpetuate itself in every issue uh, on the state level. Um, I think it's really important to talk about economic development and how do you do so without uh, giving away $4 billion to a foreign corporation named Foxconn that is supposed to create 13,000 jobs, but then reneges and changes their plan every six months. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, no, that's not what's going to happen. It's going to be something else. Um, there needs to be a new focus on, you know, the things that people really rely on, those services, uh, those quality of life services. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that Clint brought that up because I think that's what people are really looking for. And time and time again, they've experienced these, uh, Repub these Republican, mainly conservative austerity measures that have cut back the things that they've depended on, especially in education, um, where you know the things that were there or the things that the state invested in, they just aren't there to that degree anymore. Um, and we're talking about generations of Wisconsinites now that don't have access to affordable higher education or um, even uh, you know childcare that is draining literally families uh, from being able to participate in the workforce the way that they want to. Yeah. What about um, President Trump's tariffs or his trade wars? Do you guys feel like that's affecting your communities at all? Or mm -hmm. do you know anyone personally hurt or helped? Yeah. By yeah. Those? Uh, well, from our perspective from the city, uh, when we go out to do contract bidding, we end up seeing. And this is in Beloit. Yes, in, yeah. in Beloit. And I, this, I think this is a trend for a lot of local governments nationwide is that the bids are coming back higher now mm. because of those tariffs. So local governments are getting hit that way, which has ended up affecting the local communities. So right. we're paying about 10% more than what we should be. Wow. for contracts so uh, that 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 totals up really you know really quick when you're trying to do a lot of infrastructure improvements in your community so yeah uh, th that's one way that we're getting hit is through the tariffs when we're doing bidding so then by paying more for those contracts you just mentioned infrastructure you therefore have less money to spend on like fixing potholes or roads or things yep yeah because yeah, that, that money it doesn't go as far as it should because yeah. you're paying more for a contract right sure and when did you start seeing those increases um probably almost immediately after Trump started tweeting about the tariffs. Wow. So wow. as soon as he said that, suddenly we saw contracts go up. Wow. And are you seeing among Trump supporters um, or either supporters or people who sort of held their nose and voted for him that they're mad at him for the tariffs? I mean, is he, yeah, is, is this there sort resentment? of, is there any resentment towards him for that? Uh, they're not putting two and two together right now. Uh, they blame us for, all the stuff that's not going on. So when those roads don't get fixed, they don't put that math together saying, oh, maybe that, that tweet he put out about tariffs is affecting us this way. Uh, they, they just see that we're end up, you know, the local government's the bad guy, just like with state But government. their cost yeah. of living is going up. 
right? I mean, yeah, it, well, and it's it's kind of that trickle down effect mm-hmm. in the worst way possible. So it's like even with like the state government, you know, if they do something, if they cap us with levy limits, we look like the bad guy when taxes go up or we can't provide the services. It, this is exactly the same thing with Trump and his tariffs. It's it's making us look like the bad guy. So people come after us right. instead of him. Because right. they're not putting that thing together, you're saying, oh, maybe Trump's actions have effects on us locally. Right, because it feels so far removed, right? Yeah. They see a GM plant leaving the area and they don't think, right, this obviously happened before President Trump, but yeah. something happened similarly in Lordstown, Ohio recently, right? They see a plant leaving and they think this is happening in my community. They're not thinking about Donald mm-hmm. Trump. Yeah. They're thinking about the local elected officials. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. How do you get around that? Do you? So you can go I, ahead. I was going to say, well, the, the other thing is our, our, our farmers are definitely hurting yeah. from, from the tariffs. Um, In what I mean, ways? Oh, man. I, I think we, how many farms do we have now? I mean, we used to be the dairy state, right? Mm-hmm. And we got all the cheese and all those things. But, I mean, you know, with the number of, of KFOs that have been on the rise, you've, we've put out uh, a number of, I'm not going to I'm not gonna say we put out, uh, this We've lost so many farmers. I mean, we used to have thousands of farms, and I think we have less than 500 now. Mm. Um, and so, but I think some people are waking up. I think they don't want to point, you know, Wisconsin can be a little tribal when it comes mm. down to politics. And, but it also depends on the candidate, because I would argue and, and say that many of the people, you know, Bernie won Wisconsin in the primary. Can you imagine how many people voted for Bernie and then turned around and voted for Trump? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, I mean, I'm talking to 18 year olds in rural Wisconsin and asking them about, like, why they voted for Bernie and then voted for Trump. And it was funny because they're 18 talking about how they hate Hillary. And I'm like, you don't even know Hillary. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, but do you think it was that same sort of like populist for the people message? Obviously, one was real and one was. Oh, absolutely. Fake. Absolutely. But I mean, I mean, social media definitely plays a role. Russian hacks, all, all of that yeah. plays definitely plays a role in all of that. Um, but we have to get better when it comes down to the message. And also as Democrats in the state of Wisconsin and making sure that we are pointing the finger directly where it needs to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also making sure that, you know, we're talking directly to the constituents of our colleagues and letting them know that their their representation isn't stepping up. And so. I think when you say, like, how do we stop it? It's one, no, nobody care what you know until they know how much you care. So we need to actually sit down with many of these individuals, have conversations. Um, because when you think about, you know, Wisconsin, there are people who look at Milwaukee as, no, Milwaukee, no. You don't go to Milwaukee, you don't mess with Milwaukee. And, like, it's the only city in Wisconsin where it's majority minority, majority black and brown people. And so, you know, it's... It's funny because you talk about the resentment. There's a book called The Politics of Resentment that was written by a woman named Kathy Kramer. And it kind of goes into, you know, what we're talking about right now in this perception of of rural versus urban. And I think that the, the president is doing everything that he can to exacerbate the issue and making sure that we don't understand one another. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, because they're just as poor as we are in urban, in urban centers. And right. so, you know, the thing is that poor looks different. So... But how do we make that connection? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's interesting. Um, so, if you were advising someone running for president um, on what they need to do to win Wisconsin, what would you tell them? And maybe, actually, I'm more curious about not so much in the general. You at least got to come. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we're gonna we're gonna go there. We're gonna we're gonna talk about that. But let, I'm actually more curious, and maybe there's some, maybe it's different than what you would say, um, slightly different in terms of the advice you'd give in a general election versus a primary. But let's, this is a show that focuses a lot on the primary. So uh, 
What, how would you advise one of these folks to win Wisconsin, to win the Wisconsin primary? Um, I would say authentic engagement, right? Um, you have to be honest and real with Wisconsinites and uh, not just expect or uh, feel entitled to their support. Um, they, they literally want to know where you stand on really important issues that affect them as they have been bamboozled and hoodwinked. <laughs> so many Let astray. <laughs> um, and and I, I think that's just so important. There's no replacing that. Um, that was one of the things I think that was, it failed to happen in 2016. So you need that authentic approach uh, with folks in our communities um, that have been um, pretty much sold down the river by so many other plans. And then when it comes to fruition, those things don't really come true. Who's who's doing well right now in terms of the, Demo- yeah. the Democrats running? Who like yeah, who do people if you like? were to rank the in terms of Wisconsin, who like what's your top five? I would say there's definitely still energy for Bernie. Really? really? Um, from are you a Bernie supporter? Runner. Uh, I supported Bernie in 2016. Yeah. And, yeah but have uh, you endorsed? Have you any? Have you guys I'm endorsed, not endorsed in this race? So yeah. you guys are all free agents. That's right. That's all right. right. <laughs> all right. Um, who else is doing well? Yeah. Um, who's hot? Warren. Warren. Warren yeah, is hot. Well. Warren is hot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Andrew Yang's really gotten a lot of attention from people, and uh, oddly enough, I, I think I need to share this. I, I periodically talk to Republican voters and just say, "Hey, if you had to vote for a Democrat, who would you vote for?" And one of them said Kamala Harris. And that, that shocked me too. I, that's yeah. the same. I was like, but, but mm-hmm. I asked him why. And he said, because she's not, she doesn't portray that weak on crime thing that they assume that Democrats are because wow. of her pras- prosecutor history. Sure. So, sure. so I, I, I get that, but I was, I, that really took me off guard too. Cause I was just curious where they were at and right. uh, that, that really surprised me. And it's I, the same thing that Democrats slam her for Republicans like, mm-hmm. right? They, the Democrats say she was too hard on crime when she was some a prosecutor. Democrats do. Some Democrats do. Yeah, some, well, I also don't know if that's enough to make them vote for right. her over of course. Trump either yeah, no. if she were to get the nomination. But I, I did find that interesting. But it, What do it, people say about Andrew Yang? Uh, I think it's just that he's got a unique lane. He's yeah. talking about something that nobody else is talking about. Yeah. Granted, that's the only thing he's talking about. Right. But – I think most people are really that, – that's a new idea to a lot of people about UBI. So mm-hmm. when he's talking about that, they say, well, I didn't know you could do that. Or Oh, the power went out. Sorry, guys. Uh, well, we were just fun. talking about the some rules about talking about beer. Wisconsin Crowley beer had what, – what's the what, – what is it? So a student, uh, a certain so we have certain types can. of beers, certain craft beers you cannot actually buy outside and of Wisconsin. Th- th- this is important to the candidates because you know oftentimes some candidates sink because they do stupid stuff. They go to right. Michigan and talk about how great Ohio State is and things yeah. like that. So right. this is important. Oh, yeah. Probably. So, Sorry to so, interrupt. So, so, so never come to Wisconsin yeah. and say, like, Blue Moon is your favorite like, Wisconsin <laughs> beer because it's not. You know, um, it's not a Wisconsin beer. I mean, we have a lot of – I mean, Spotted Cow definitely comes to mind. But craft beers is a, is a, is a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go to some bars in, in the city of Milwaukee and they have, you know, 80 taps. Yep. 80 taps. Okay. That's why. Yeah. Oh man! Yeah. So you, it's not like you have a shortage of Wisconsin craft beers to pick from. People just aren't. Oh, informed. absolutely, no shortage, no shortage. I mean, oh, the other man. issue is that you know we we still have to you know get uh, get our laws up today when they th- think about like drinking and driving laws and right. stuff like that. Because right. um, you know is we that... are huge on on be, uh, binge drinking in, this, in the state mm-hmm. of Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what? Uh, just. I'm uh, this is interesting to me. So what are some other things that if you were, you know, you're talking to these candidates, what would you tell or their campaigns? Like if they're going to come yeah. to if they're going to come to Wisconsin, what are the things they got to do? Where do they have to go? Who do they need to talk to? 
And this is for anyone. You guys can jump well, in. Yeah. Well, because I got it in front of me. Um, you got to visit a broth fest. Mm-hmm. You gotta, so you gotta have some cheese curds. Um, <laughs> you have to have some cheese curds. Uh, you have to visit a farm, um, and you better talk about the Packers. <laughs> I assume you guys are all and Packers. You don't fans. campaign on Packer games. Oh, oh, oh really? Yeah, do people do? Yeah. Get oh. Like, <laughs> no. What about what about you're watching? Let's say the Packers are playing at a four o'clock game. And you get a phone call from one of these campaigns, and they want you to, uh, you know, and they're doing a, you know, they're doing a, a, a persuasion call. Clinton's got seven. How dare you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. is that yeah. right? Yeah. You, you just up. lost a vote. Like, like yeah. I know that we've kind of had that rule, like in Badger games too. Like, Badger, you kind of, you kind of lay off the canvassing, lay off the phone calls. Once that game's done, go ahead and continue. But you do not do it on game time. You do not. Wait, do wait. It has anyone time. learned the hard way, or did you all know this before you campaigned? I, I, I was warned. I didn't believe it. That, that oh information yeah, information I was like, passed on. Yeah, it's yeah. Not, so have you have, have you canvassed on the day of a Packers like during a Packers? Have any of you guys done that? Don't, yeah. not, no, no. It's, it's you no, literally no, don't. Literally you don't. I mean, I, I I didn't learn about it. I mean, so my first political start, I, I used to work for United States Senator Russ Feingold. Yeah, and we, you know, we went hard when it came down the doors. Mm-hmm. But we used to also love it when Packer games come on because it's the only break that we kind of got. Right. And so, and it's so it's like it's just an unspoken rule unless you're in like northwestern Wisconsin because they don't get Wisconsin TV. So some of them think they actually live in Minnesota because oh, they so only Vikings get the Vikings. Fans. And so like, yeah, we don't, <laughs> but you just, you just don't do doors on those days. Right. Right. Kara, okay, what about you? What, what are, what are some tips that you yeah. give to campaign on? Uh, yeah. What not, what's, what should they or shouldn't do? In well, Wisconsin? I, I basically echo everything that my colleagues are saying here. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the Packers game thing, like that is something that's like, like passed down from candidate to candidate to candidate. Like you just know you don't do that. You know, like beer is sacred. So you don't (laughs) say you love this Wisconsin beer and then name a beer that's not a Wisconsin beer. Um, uh, The other thing I would add is if you get a chance, I know it's every other year, but um, cheese days in Monroe, that's like a a huge thing. And that's like just celebrating cheese, which is a big part of of Wisconsin as well. (laughs) Like Bratfest, cheese days, like those are like the two holy events, you know. So um, and then I I just wanted to really say as well with um, going back and looking at the last presidential campaign, I mean, just don't take your battleground states for granted. Don't just think because we, you know, vote majority Democratic that that's automatically going to happen. And I think that was some of what we saw back in 2016 is the candidate felt like, you know, Hillary Clinton might and her team might have felt like, hey, we've got the Wisconsin vote. We're going to be good to go. And then they were gone. And it's just don't take it for granted. And I mean, I think local elected officials have been taught that for for years. It's like you can't not go to a door and just assume that that door is going to be, you know, somebody that's going to vote for you. So, um, you know, reaching out and talking to people, it's really important. Authenticity is super important in Wisconsin because we're very um, down to earth, very, uh, we love talking to people. So, 
you know, get out there, talk to people, see what's important to them, and uh, and listen. I'm hungry talking about brats and cheese Jeez. curds, man. Can't lie, God's love country. the Midwest. All the major up, food groups. You know, I had to give up dairy year and a, almost a, oh, two years we ago. Talked about this. I tried to get you to I eat cheese dairy. on the train. I love cheese. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I have to do. Some, I, uh, I should custard. do Culver's plug. Uh, yeah, Culver's. Yes. Culver's, yeah, Culver's plug. Non, yes. Is that di- non-dairy? No. And dairy. Yeah, they have cheese oh. curds, butter burgers. It's amazing. They have, we have lemon ice right now. Really all right, all right. And, 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 if the, and if the cheese curds don't squeak while you're eating them, they're not fresh. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's the point. Yeah. So real quick, I think what you don't do is you don't go just to Milwaukee and Madison. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people are paying attention to that. For candidates that just want to swoop in the state, swoop out by the biggest major airport, um, there are a lot of Democrats all across the state or even right on the outskirts of the cities where they want to be engaged too. Mm-hmm. Um, what you do want to do is that you want to get on the ground and actually mm-hmm. find a way to actually do visit doors. So even though you're running for president, um, there are a number of candidates that have taken up uh, the organization called Block, Black Leaders Organizing mm-hmm. for Our Communities. Yeah. And uh, they are actually doing silent canvases where you actually are with a canvasser and the candidate is completely silent. It completely flips its head on what politicians usually do. Usually we're the ones that speak. And usually in this situation, you're only there to listen. Are any of the, who, So who has a presence in Wisconsin right now in terms of the campaigns? That's Does anyone? I haven't seen. Uh, no. Yeah. Really? I haven't seen any. When's the pri- When's the Wisconsin primary? Is that a April? April of 2020. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Usually, usually the second Tuesday. Um, it's the second Tuesday after the first Monday um, of the month. Um, and just to highlight one of the things that that Bone was just saying about candidates not just coming to Milwaukee and Madison, I want just to put it in perspective. Waukesha is mm-hmm. the Republican stronghold in the state of Wisconsin, but it's also the you also will get the third highest amount of Democratic votes from that same county. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when you think about you know um, you know when you come here, you don't want to take areas for granted because those areas have a lot of Democrats. They're just not represented by Democrats at the state level. Right, mm-hmm. right. right. Wow. Um. So who was waving the danger sign or pulling the alarm bell in 2016 with the Clinton campaign? Was there anyone at this table here who was saying, like, you all need to... Uh, no, <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just wondering, because look, we, we, there are a lot of different stories about what happened. Our, our former school. vice chair. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean... Vice chair of the state party. Sir, I'm just curious, yeah. what what ha- what yeah, happened? Did you see the warning like, what, Yeah, did you see the... Absolutely. Sign? Absolutely. I think, you know... If you are connected on the ground, you could tell months following up Mm -hmm. to the campaign that it just was not connecting with regular people, Mm. right? Um, And that the 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 real hard work of engagement and building trust wasn't done. Was there a camp? I mean, there was there was a campaign presence there, right? Or so for I'll give you an example, right? So for folks that did volunteer to get engaged and do doors you were sent to engage folks that already were going to support Hillary, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And you didn't do any, like, folks that maybe were on the fence or possibly persuasion persuasion, Mm -hmm. or people that might not have gotten out to vote. 
um, mm-hmm. in, that, in the election. We were just really hitting strong Dems. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, that was one of the biggest complaints that the, the universe and the data that was cut mm-hmm. kept targeting the wrong folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I had the same thing happen to me. You're on the phone calling the same people over and over again rather than and, and you kept saying like, no, I think we should focus elsewhere. And then the response was, hey, we got it. Mm-hmm. We're telling you what to do from Brooklyn. Don't question us. We know what yep. we're doing. Mm-hmm. And literally, that was the response that folks that have been doing electoral engagement work for the last wow. couple decades have to- been told. And um, it didn't feel good. And uh, I, I, I had to calm people down because literally they were so pissed um, that folks would fly into the state, tell them what to do. Um, how to do engagement and outreach in their own neighborhoods and their own communities and then fly back out. So you think that's going to change in 2020? I just met the new chairman of the Wisconsin Democratic Party, Brian. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ben. Mm -hmm. Yes, we just met at the debates earlier this week in Detroit. Do you think that he's going to shut that down? He's not going to let Brooklyn or wherever these headquarters for the eventual nominee is located call and say, hey, you're doing it this way. Do you feel like Wisconsin and the Democratic Party there will take a stronger stand in what you believe is the right way forward? I do trust that we will. And Clint, you can give some insight from Rock County. But I think at at the same time, you know that the dynamic is that the candidates team has so much leverage in operations that it's it's hard just to say, hey, we would like you to do this, even though we can't force you to. So it's like, really, how do you build a partnership where uh, the goals and the objectives that they have can match the goals and objectives of the state? Yep. Yeah. And uh, I mean, if you're looking at comparison between 16 and 18, uh, a lot changed. Uh, I think they learned a lot from those mistakes of just knocking strong damn doors and talking to the same people again and again. I, I went up as someone who was the first time candidate in 16. I they kind of made me go on those same walk lists that, you know, they had for Hillary Clinton and it, it kind of got repetitive. You know, you kept going to the same house and they're like, I'm a Democrat. And I'm like, I know. Like, it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, like we, 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 we've talked twice already. Yeah. So it, it just felt like that universe is so small that they just kind of assumed that that was all they needed. And in Wisconsin, you can't do that. You can't just run on a base. We're not a automatically blue state. We'd love it to be. But you got to fight for every vote in Wisconsin. So you have to go to those independent voters. You got to go to those people that maybe vote Republican on one race, but will vote Democrat in another one because we have people that do that. As strange as that may sound, we do have people that vote for the you know state Tammy assembly. Baldwin. Yeah. Nope. Oh, there, there's a lot that voted for Walker, but voted for Tammy Baldwin at 18. Yeah. So uh, you got to fight for every vote. That, yeah. that shows that every vote is in play in Wisconsin. Wow. Same way that we win our races, right? We can go to folks on different sides of the political spectrum and still gain their respect because we actually engage them authentically rather than just writing them off or mm-hmm. only expecting certain folks just to vote for us. Right. I think another really good example of that in Rock County is if we look at Paul Ryan and how long he was successful at continuing to be elected um, as a Republican in a county and in an area that consistently votes Democrat. I mean, it's just, you know, for a long time we were scratching our heads like, how can this be, you know? And, and he then, was super conservative, too. He was. He yeah. was. And I don't think people yeah. saw that. I think there was something about him some charisma that i think just won people over i mean you meet him and he is the nicest guy and it Mm -hmm. it doesn't you're like the blinders go on and you're like i know he's a republican but 
oh man, he's such a nice guy, you know? Nice. Yeah. 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 And, and I think that to, to people that is so important, which is again, why you have to come here and you need to talk to people and you need to be real with people because that obviously is the thing that is going to connect most with people. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost as if they just couldn't actually believe that he wanted to take away our social security and Medicare. Oh, yeah. right. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, look, big event coming up in, uh, in, in actually a year from now Yeah, in mm-hmm. Milwaukee. Yeah. So how happy were you guys that, that you all won the convention? Uh, I was happy enough where I actually wore my DNC 2020 shirt here. Oh, since we beat uh-huh. Miami. Oh yeah, and, and so right. I made sure. <laughs> I made sure. No, I'm, I'm I'm wearing my shirt proudly, uh, especially on Sunday when I don't have nothing to do and I'm just gonna walk mm-hmm. the town. Um, but it was extremely exciting. Uh, it was it was ironic because we got the news literally like a half hour after the, the state of the city address and 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 you know we were all at the Pfizer forum for the state of the city address and then we got the news and it was just like I think many of us was like we can't believe it mm-hmm. wow. we really couldn't believe it um, I mean we couldn't believe that we were even in the top three in the beginning but mm-hmm. seeing the change in dynamics uh, politically in the past couple of years and and seeing what Tom Perez is doing with the DNC and saying that we're no Milwaukee is where we need to be because this is what all of our cities look like right and so we were really excited. And it's really about like, we got it, but now we got the hard work. Mm-hmm. You know, we got to now we got to now we got to put it on, and we got to put it on, and we got to have a, a huge bang. I mean, this is like seven hundred different types of events throughout the week. Wow. Um, you know, I mean, have you guys all been numbers. to a convention? I went to Philly twenty sixteen. Mm-hmm. So this would be my first convention. Okay, yeah, mine too. Clint? Yep, yep, same. Yep. same. Oh, first wow. convention. Wow. All right, they're good times. I think this is my. Four, eight, 12, six, fourth, fifth, fifth, fourth or fifth. Wow. It's my second. Yeah. Your second, my second. Yeah. Hopefully uh, it's more organized than Philly. I felt like Philly was a little disorganized. Philly was a little disorganized. I'll tell you, there was nothing like Denver when, mm-hmm. when Obama won, the, when, when he, uh, you know, when he uh, got the nomination, sure. gave that speech in front of 75,000 people in a football stadium. That was a moment I will never forget. Huh. It was incredible. Um, so it's a, it's a really, I mean, the convention, it is, it's a really fun time. And, it, and I think, um, you know, it's one of those moments for cities to really put their name on the, you know, yeah. on the map, yeah. um, kind of like sure. the Olympic, I mean, not to the same degree, the Olympics is much more international, but the conventions are big deals. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. We know we're nerds when we compare yeah. oh the, my God, convention the convention, the, the democratic convention. Like, Ooh. <laughs> so, uh, how far are you guys from, uh, Milwaukee? Just about an hour and a half. Yeah, that's that's about right. Was it a big deal to the rest of the state? Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think it just really shows that the DNC is serious about trying to get those voters back mm. and not repeating the same mistakes that were made in sixteen. So I guess no matter how bad it may go, we'll at least know that that candidate will be in Wisconsin at least one time. Yeah. So they'll at least be there for the night that they get nominated. So, so that's more than <laughs> wasn't. So. Yeah, it was more than sixteen. So uh, there's at least that, and I think it just shows that Wisconsin's finally being recognized as a state that needs to be watched. It used to be just like Ohio and Florida; that was the two states. Now Wisconsin's getting thrown in the mix. So uh, I think it's. Uh, I wish we were more consistently blue, but I think it's also good that we're finally getting respected as a state that you need to fight for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even if it does go bad. People would drink so much. <laughs> Spotted and cow. And you really notice that yeah. it's actually not going as good as you want it to. Yeah. Overdose and cheese. Yeah, broad so cheese. Was it was also interesting. I mean, we're in Milwaukee, 
The convention is in Milwaukee, but we're doing everything that we can for the whole state to understand that this is our convention. Right. Right. This, I mean, it's in Milwaukee, but we all have ownership in it. And so we're making, we want to make sure that the economics of, of the convention actually ripples across the state. And so mm-hmm. we, we want to be intentional in making sure that folks don't look at this as, well, this is all about these dim areas in the, in the state of Wisconsin. No, we want everybody to be a part of this. Gotcha. It's been an exciting time. So real quick lightning round. I'm going to ask each of you your top three um, Democrats who are running for uh, the presidency. Who Who is the most likely of them to win the uh, nomination? So from uh, three, two, one. Crowley, I'll start with you. Uh, three, two, one. Um, number three. Number three, I would say uh, Kamala. Uh, my number two would probably be Bernie, and my number one would be Liz uh, or Elizabeth Warren. Okay, Bowen. So let me understand this. So what if the if, like? it, yeah, as of today, uh-huh. right? Looking at what you're seeing out of these candidates, their campaigns, um, we normally do a Power Five, and we okay. rank the our. This is our Power Five rankings of okay. the most likely person to win the nomination. Okay. So. You know, like if it was me, I would be I would probably say at number one was Biden. Number two is uh, Warren. Number three would be Harris. Number four would be uh, Bernie. Number five would be Pete. OK, but it, it can change based off of, you know, I mean, you look at I, we look at polling and the debates and sure. fundraising. <laughs> yeah, not endorsing so, anyone. So in, in my mind, what I like doesn't matter. Right. It's about who is likely to win. Just like if you were looking so at like if you were betting on, on someone. That's, no, that's how I've, I've yeah. been mine. Who are you if who if you were betting on someone today? So serious. Okay. All right, cool. You ready? Yeah. Um Number three. Harris. Okay. Mm-hmm. Number two. As of this week? Uh-huh. Yeah, right now. Biden. Okay. Mm-hmm. Number Warren. one. Warren. Warren. Okay. Mm-hmm. Clint? I'd probably it's say really like Biden and Warren, like I, yeah, yeah, both in one. Yeah, I think that's probably the same. If I'm thinking likelihood to win, I do think that some candidates are interesting. Like I thought Mary Pete was quite interesting, but I think that magic's fading away already. So it's probably a flash and you know flash pan thing is just mm-hmm. coming up once, and I think he's going away already. But thought he was exciting about a month ago. I think he's kind of. I, I would a couple months ago I would have said he was number one, but I'm not saying that anymore. So I, I agree with Dave. That's Dave Bowen at least. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I would say, um, gosh, in Wisconsin, I feel like I have to go back to what Dave Crawley was saying. I think Bernie still has a lot of pull in Wisconsin, so I would actually put him as my number three. Okay. And then um, probably after him, then it would have to be uh, Biden and then Warren. Well. Sort of matches up with what I think a lot of people are seeing in this campaign right now with Elizabeth Warren. Um, you know, I think it, it at this moment, I think it's hard to not to say that that Biden's a front runner if you just look at like polling and That's things right. like that. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, looking at the gubernatorial primary in Wisconsin last time go around, the mm-hmm. candidate with the most experience, yeah, mm-hmm. one that came out well ahead, yeah. yeah. The, in the primary so right but there's something about elizabeth warren i've been saying for a long time i think she has the sharpest most coherent message out there she's extremely authentic she seems very comfortable defending her positions um and she's been on a steady rise yeah steady rise and you know remember let's not forget i mean you know when that when this campaign started she was written off 
Yes. Uh, you know, she started off almost instantly, almost instantly. And, uh, she's really rebounded and, uh, she's got a great operation set up in, in, uh, in Iowa and, uh, New Hampshire and, and South Carolina. And she's made the most of these debates. So, mm-hmm. yeah. um, be interesting to see if she can start picking up black voters though. That to me is mm-hmm. the, um, wild card here for people like but really people for everyone else besides Biden, because Biden's right. doing well with black voters. Right. Kamala's not doing particularly well. Mm-hmm. Mayor Pete isn't doing well at all. Um, Warren does well in, Warren, in, well, in settings specifically for black Oh, voters. yeah, absolutely. I'm not, really you well. know, this is the thing. It's like I think when Warren, you know, and I saw her down in Charleston in mm-hmm. South Carolina at a Black Economic Alliance forum, yeah. and she was did, she did great. Yep. Corey did very well down there and it's just like and i don't know if it's just a combination of people not tuning in and not really willing to sort of give an opinion on who they like um but uh, or if it's just that they know biden they really they love you know you know black folk love um love obama and they respect the fact that biden backed them up um and uh, that's going to be a hard thing for for other candidates to peel away Older yep. black voters going with Biden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't see that budging. Mm-hmm. Um, younger black voters are going to be split between Harris. Absolutely. And- absolutely. And it's yeah. really important that I think all these candidates, like, I think there's a tendency to say, well, you know, like, what does the black community think about? You know, right. it's all just like every other community. It's yeah. all not a monolith. There's not monolithic. There are a lot of different, you know, there, you know, demographics within the black community. But uh, obviously, it's a critical constituency for all of these mm-hmm. candidates. In order to win the nomination, you've got to get you've got to get around 25, 30, 35 percent of the black vote in the in the in the primaries or you're not going to have any shot. So, wow, that was a lot of fun. God, I feel like I'm overdosing on cheese. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't had a beer yet, though. You know, I actually had to give up that. I had to give up beer, too. I know it's been it's been a rough two years. Oh, man. I'm so sorry for you. The moment of silence. Damn gluten. So you're going to have a hard time at the DNC convention. Yeah. Uh, no, well, a lot of wine. Lift the band. Yeah. A lot of Tito's vodka. Okay. Um, <laughs> I really want to thank our guests. Um, uh, it's, been a, it's been great to kind of really dig deep into what's going on in Wisconsin. It's a battleground state. It's really important to uh, progressives, uh, Democrats' efforts to win back, um, to win back the White House. And uh, I just want to thank uh, State Representative David Crowley. I want to thank State Representative David Bowen. I want to thank uh, Clinton Anderson, the Vice President. Okay. <laughs> and uh, and I want to thank um, Kara Hawes, the County Supervisor from Janesville. You guys were great. And yeah, uh, thank you guys. Thank you so much. And you, you know, look, I told the you know, um, I told Mayor um, uh, uh, Myrick, and I told uh, State Representative. Uh, Oh my God, I'm fucking getting old. <laughs> I told City County, I, I told Baltimore City Council President Brandon Scott that they are rising stars and superstars in the party, and I expect to see them doing big things. They're already doing big things. You guys are already doing big things, and you're role models for um, you know that up and coming group of folks who are you know trying to think you know trying to have a career in politics. So, really appreciate you guys joining us on the electables. Yeah, thank you guys. Thank you. Awesome. Thank thank you. you. We're verified electable now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 The official stamp of approval. So for my uh, co-host, Alexi, I'm Doug Thornell, and this has been The Electables. And uh, we've got uh, one other uh, segment down here in Miami, and then uh, we'll catch you next time. Sounds good. <laughs>